Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share this strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. I love that number 93, it was the year I graduated high school. No way, yeah, it's the year before I was born. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great way for us to begin Uh episode 93 of Jen and Millie. I've been um, really looking forward to our next conversation, Tess. I've been thinking a lot lately about how much work goes into this on your end as I've started a new writing project. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that writing project is um, combining many methods and um, many mediums. And so I've been doing writing plus podcasting plus video um Plus some photography and all via Instagram, and it is a lot of work. So I have tremendous gratitude for everything that you do on the backside of this, because really all I have to do is show up and and chat and be myself. So thank you. Um, But also thank you for encouraging me to try hard things. I think when we talked about chapter as a word um, for me for for the new year, I have been thinking about stretching how I stretch Mm. and continue to try to do things that are outside of my comfort zone and getting into technology is definitely one of those. I love that. I love that. I feel like you have such, you know, you talk a lot about your high input, which makes sense being your number one strength, but you discredit that. You discredit the fact that you have really high learner too, I think. Right. And I think they're, they're so close that you just always tend to favor input because it is higher is your number one. But I think that, and I do that too. Like I discredit my input because my learner is so high and the, the need to learn things deeply and learn them well tends to take precedent over you know, learning a lot of things or, you know, vastly, you know, expanding myself. And so I think it's even an opportunity, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until you just said that. Like, I think it's an opportunity to tap into your learner a little bit more too, to get to a sense of mastering your craft, right? Mastering your communication, mastering your storytelling by concentrating on it this year. So I'm excited. I'm also learning a lot this month. And today's a really unique day, by the way, it's two, two. Two two. Oh, two two twenty two. It is oh, crazy. It's the lunar new year. It's um, a new moon. Um, yesterday was the first, and in a new moon, new moon um, in Aquarius. So there are all kinds of things that open up for expansion, and one of the things that I'm learning most is that I don't yet know me. I think I do. It's kind of like back to my communication strength. I mm-hmm. think I articulate my point. But the receivers don't always get what I'm saying. And I've gotten some Mm -hmm. feedback that I can be quite vague. And so I've been asked recently some hard questions like, you know, what do you want? Or what does this look like? Or what are you looking for? What are you planning for? What are you doing? And sometimes my response is, I don't know. (laughs) I I, I thought I did, but I don't. And I don't know. So... I think there's, there's, I'm going to interrupt you though, but part of the difference is that doesn't mean you don't know yourself, right? Knowing your wants and knowing yourself are different. They are. Yep. But I think I'm really, truly still learning me and I'm so grateful for that. I hope I never stop learning me. Um, But for sure, when I reflected on the last year and then, you know, kind of put some intentions behind what I want for for the chapter, mm-hmm. it, it's been more um, 
acknowledgement and recognition of where I am, where I've been, and mm-hmm. what, what's ahead. Um, so the stories chapter, that whole adventure, is so much um, a, not a deviation, but an enhancement yeah. of, of me. And um, I'm really excited to be able to share another story. So I shared Cal's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to share another story this month. But I don't have the same accountability that I had in the weekly um, music notes. Music notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, as we had an hour green room yesterday, <laughs> um, in our green room yesterday, I was talking about how um, that I can procrastinate in ways that I don't know that I realized it. I just mm. recently took my Christmas tree down just this last week. I always had that tree down by January 2nd. That's crazy. And I, there was something about it that felt so exhausting to me. Mm. And maybe it's because I wanted to hold on to the holiday because it was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was because it was the first time I've felt like I was celebrating the holiday. Um, mm. But I just, didn't want to take the tree down. I was just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. So there's a side of me that's like, oh, I didn't know that I was a procrastinator, but I am sometimes. And I'm very curious right now around research and women in this, in our age group, in my age group, not yours, (laughs) about ADHD Mm -hmm. and how our hormones affect our ability to focus. Um, You know, what that does, mind, body, soul. I'm just completely learning what 47 year old me looks like Mm -hmm. um little fun fact since um neither one of them listen um i often talk about my mom's um one plus one i was wondering which neither which neither one of them group you were talking about your two kids or your two moms moms. um so most of our listeners know that um, i'm adopted i have my adopted mom and I have my biological mom, and they are really very, just remarkably, bizarrely similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> so one, this is my birthday. Uh, one mom did not know how old I was. She said, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're 46." And I was like, "I can't either because I'm actually 47." Because <laughs> it's the not other, true. <laughs> and the other didn't know where I lived. Oh, so wonderful. you know, when you think about all these. Beautiful souls that we get to interact with as humans. Mm -hmm. Um, I am learning tremendous empathy for them through the eyes of my daughter, who is doing her master's in social work, and she's Mm -hmm. and she's teaching. Lauren's teaching me so much about trauma Mm -hmm. and about um, how we are, how we grow up in this world, and what we carry with us, Mm -hmm. and you know the heavy Samsonite luggage that we all have and it's really given me a lot of empathy not just for them but for a whole lot of humans Mm -hmm. in my life um I think let's backtrack a little bit but what I sent you today I want to make sure that we talk about and I have a couple notes um of things that that I wanted us to discuss here and then um but I know we wanted to to chat about the double space Mm -hmm. um Oxford comma lifestyle that um, recently our our friend Jay Mm -hmm. posted about two spaces after the period. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe the post was something to the effect of, hey, Gen Gen Xers, let it go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 
verbatim here, <laughs> dear friends older than 37, you don't have to put two spaces after the period anymore. That was the typewriter era. You're free. And I'll credit, this was um, Barton Swaim was the person who tweeted this. I will say, though, that two different categories, Oxford comma, in my mind's proper English, I'll die on that hill. So, but I was, you tagged me in this and said, let's talk about this. And I said, this would actually be perfect because I didn't know there was such a thing as a double space. So I need uh, Barton Swaim to do a supplemental tweet or reply to this tweet that says, dear everyone younger than 37. There was this thing called a typewriter in which in order to prevent errors and the ink running together, it was common practice to put two spaces after a period before you started a new sentence. <laughs> like, I need him to, like, say that, too, because I think part of it's like, okay, yes, everyone over 37, let it go. But everyone under 37 or, you know, maybe, like, 30, under 30, there might be a little bit of a gap that doesn't practice this, but also didn't know that it was actually a thing to practice it. It wasn't until college when I met one of the um, – one. A person in my class at one point in time talked about the double spacing between periods. And as we were like discussing this a little bit in the green room today, she said it in the context of the double period so she could get to the required page length. I remember it, like remembering this conversation now. It was like the paper was supposed to be like whatever, like 12 to 14 pages or something like that. And in order to get there, she's like, oh yeah, I just went into double spaces because a lot of people still do that. And I was like, what do you mean still do that? Like, what are you talking about? And I just, I mean, I had no idea. Um, but she had a little bit older parents, and I think that was, like, part of it, too. But that's a big generational difference. difference so. so you didn't take a typing class? I took a typing class. I took a but computer class. it was called class. typing? Yeah, it was. Was it called it, typing? It was, it, um, well, it, I think it was computer science or something like that. But we so did a like whole section legit. on learning to type, but it was on a computer at that point. Like it I was actually like, took like a whole class on typing on a typewriter. Yeah, no, I've never typed on a typewriter before. Oh, it's so magical. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's just nothing like, wow, I need to get one. I almost at one oh. point got one because I knew it would be magical and my context would love it. And that's actually, I know that I would love it. And I actually have this keyboard that I have as an external keyboard to my laptop that mimics the like pressure and sound of a typewriter. But it's like a modern, you know, wireless keyboard. But that's what I used to type on it. Like I feel like I would love it so much, but I've never I'm so sensory on it. sensitive. And we, uh -huh. you know, we talk a lot about the what the senses are. And I can when I think about the word typewriter, even just saying the word typewriter, I can feel it. I can smell the inkiness inkiness of it. I can feel the way that I take the paper out. I can feel the way that I, um, I can hear the sound of loading it. Um, crazy, you know, all the senses being honored by that. But what's interesting to me, Tess, is when you mentioned that, when I tagged you in it, it never occurred to me that you wouldn't know that. I know it now, but at one point in my life, I did not know right. that it was not knowledge that I'd ever acquired because it wasn't a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really kind of beautiful when we think about the assumptions that we make regarding our conversations and really how this podcast all began. Um, it was around assumptions. Mm -hmm. It was around, I assume you get what I'm saying. I assume you knew, you know who this is. I assume all of these pieces. Mm -hmm. And the last week for me, for sure, has been and really the beginning of this new year has been such a reminder of the things that I assume are being said, 
the reading between the lines that I assume people do that isn't necessarily true and how Mm -hmm. clear we have to be with our communication. So I think I sent you today, um, and I have to, oh, of course I know where this came from. Um, So I read Young Pueblo's uh, work, Mm -hmm. and I try to read his work on um, a daily basis every morning. Um, I started with his first book, and now I'm into Clarity and Connection. And so um, I sent a quote to you from that book today that I want to read out loud. Mm -hmm. And the reason I I want to talk a little bit about this is the 2-2-2-2 and and all of those things. But also because we often talk here about resilience. We often talk here about strengths. We often talk about growth mindset, concept of purpose. But everything is relative. Mm Mm-hmm. And yesterday in the green room, we talked about trauma is relative. Yeah. Grief is relative. Mm -hmm. Loss is relative. So this was, um, how lucky was I today that this was the, um, reading that I had in my morning reading, uh, from young, young Pueblo's, uh, clarity and connection. Sometimes it takes your heart breaking a few times for you to become independent in important and healthy ways. Heartbreak shows you that your self-worth and wholeness should not depend on another's words or love. Use the hurt as a map that leads inward to pursue your healing and ignite your self-love. Mm-hmm. And the phrase that I really got, I've really felt connection to was use the hurt as a map. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've been um, sharing with a lot of my coaching clients is around the concept of fear and fear is energy. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm hopeful that we all can learn to do, but I'm still in the practice, is when fear shows up, that I can use it as momentum to move myself forward. Hmm. And I think when you talk about using hurt as a, or when Mr. Pueblo talks about using hurt as a map, Mm -hmm. um, to think about the ways that we can use fear as momentum. Fear is a hell of a motivator mm-hmm. if we uh, allow it to be. And um, I'm learning a lot about that. I recently I learned, um, not recently, for a while, about the um, dynamics of energy when it comes to, and I, I know that you and I um, can relate to this, the way that our friends show up, the way that our family members show up, the way that other humans in our life show up. And when they are not in their normal space or they Mm -hmm. are not in their normal um, routine or capacity or what we know to be their normal behavior, we have reactions to that, right? Mm -hmm. So if I shut down or disappear or get quiet, Mm -hmm. all of my circle, the circle that cares about me is raising flags, you know, knocking some cowbell around saying what's going on with her. Mm -hmm. There are assumptions made that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the assumption could be that things are, are going really well and I'm just really busy, but those close to me 
kind of react in their own way to a change in my standard behavior. Yeah. So when I was thinking about hurt as a map, fear as momentum, assumptions that we make, it took me back to our green room conversation about things being relative. Mm-hmm. Um, my ACEs score is high, but that doesn't mean that the trauma that I've experienced affects me any less than someone or any more than someone who has a lower. Has no ACEs score. score. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we consider like gauges of resilience mm-hmm. or pieces of resilience, just because maybe on paper, you know, I've, and on paper, I mean, I'm being dramatic there, but on paper, I've had trauma. Yeah. Doesn't mean that something so low level, like a breakup, mm-hmm. and I, low level, hmm. quote unquote. Interesting that you define just it that a way. relationship. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That that would screw me up, knock me completely off kilter, um, more than perhaps something else. Mm-hmm. And I was having this conversation actually with Lauren regarding. Um, someone who is significant in her life, he has experienced grief in, in very, very raw and real ways. Mm-hmm. And in her perception, maybe he doesn't deal with it the way that she thinks mm. she would deal with it or he should deal with it. Mm. And so we talked a lot about like, how do we put these assumptions on people and how do we, yeah, why do we do that? And then also back to that quote, like hurt as a map, mm-hmm everyone's map is so, so different. different it's so different and it just reminds me of yeah what something we were talking about yesterday too with um sharing about a friend who's going through grief and um you know it just made me think you know I've been processing and sitting in the fact that grief looks so different and you know there are elements that can hit you really, really hard or you can or you would expect to hit you hard maybe that don't. And and so I appreciate that and think about it that way. And it's interesting that you say every like you like that analogy that that hurt is a map, but everyone's map is different because generally we're at the point in society, in globalization, in the world where maps are universal. They're the same. We have measured, calculated, analytical set universality to an understanding of the map of the world that has not always been the case in the world right right? like the earth was flat at one point in time and that was the standard of science right that it did not include north and south america as we know it um and i think about it now you know we don't we can't quite understand the fact that maps are all different but i think about even like the current debates right pluto was a planet then it didn't become a planet. Recently, now, it's incontestant again. Like, it might be reintroduced as a planet again. Like, it's just like that. So now, when we think about the variability of maps, we can think about, like, how we're constructing the universe and our solar system and what we know about it and the fact that the definition of what is and what isn't included within that definition of a universe is, you know, is debatable. And I kind of like that because at first when you said everyone's map is different, immediately my mindset no maps are all the same they should have all the same things but really in history they have not and and still even today it depends on what you're looking at and where you're looking and are you looking at a topographical map or a geographical map or you know all sorts of different variances and it also brought me to the recognition when you say everything is debatable that's never been true 
than in our society oh today. Oh my gosh, the relativity uh, of truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything that's happening in the podcasting world, everything that's happening on Spotify, mm-hmm. every it, it has given me a whole lot of perspective. This morning when I was thinking about, okay, we're recording. If we were ever to be audited by the truth IRS. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, I have been thinking about, and I, I may have shared this story before. So I wrote a piece um, I wrote a blog piece a while back about a dream that I had. And it was just absolutely fascinating to me. I wrote about a dream that I had. Okay. Okay. It was clearly stated I had this dream. It wasn't, today I was walking down the street and this was my experience. I clearly stated this was a dream. Okay. And human beings immediately assumed it was about them. Like, how dare you? How dare you? For real? You know, have a dream about oh me and, and misrepresent me this way. And I'm like, well, what the? Also, it, I don't have a lot of control over what my subconscious does during I don't, the night. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. But, but I was able to articulate, this is not about you. And it made me so conscientious of what I put out there in in my communication space, what I may say in a training, what I might put on my blog, how I represented Cal in his Mm -hmm. story. Did that feel honoring to him? Did that feel like truth? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I felt like I was backtracking by sharing about a dream that it it made me initially feel like, oh my God, is this person like gonna sue me? Over what? My dream that I had? But also, I mean, what a great example of how mm-hmm. we show up in the world. Oh my gosh, I, yeah. I love that I have a daughter and a son who will call me out on this all the time. It's not about you, Mom. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mom, not about you. Um, that's helped me over the years to not take things so personal, but also to realize that... Um, I'm not responsible for someone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. And if you take one of my poorly written blogs and get so fired up about it, like, wow, are mm-hmm. you giving me a lot of power? Yeah. Like, just True. please let go of that. And by the way, it's not about you. Yeah. But it also, like good. today, you know, now with everything in the podcasting space, we are just all navigating this. What is truth? Mm-hmm. Brene, Brene is not putting out her 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 podcast conversation. She's taking a break because she. And I, this is what I love about her. Mm-hmm. She has no problem saying I don't know. Yep. She has. She is freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. She is one of the most respected researchers and one of the most. I mean, absolutely talented storytellers Mm -hmm. and she has no problem saying you know what I don't know how to handle this so I'm gonna take a pause and say I'm not sure and I loved reading um kind of her Mm -hmm. statement because I've been trying to find my words to tell people in my life who are trying to push me along as to where you going what are you doing what do you want I want to be able to say I don't know and that's Thanks. okay. It's not about getting to that point, right? Life isn't about getting right. to some designated point you're supposed to get to or you think you're supposed right. to get to. 
Yeah. But I also, it's in the same vein, it's made me think about, it's my only hope for my purpose in this world is to leave people better mm. than, than they happened upon me. Yeah. And if it ever feels anything other than that, I, I want to hold that, that space. Um, I was so lucky to have such a fabulous birthday and feel, ap- I mean, so loved, so appreciated, so mm-hmm. um, treasured that I kind of walked away from January 21st thinking, I have everything I need yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who pushes me along to say, what about this or what's next, or I, I can say, I don't know. Yeah. I'm content and I could say, you know, I don't know, but also at the same time, be thoughtful about what is that energy that I'm, mm-hmm. that I'm leaving behind. Energy creates energy. Yeah. And, um, there's a lot there. Yeah. So as per usual, we go in about 14 different directions. What I wanted for us to talk a little bit about today is that mapping. I knew that when I, anytime I use the word map, like your you can brain, see, yeah, yes. one, two, you can see three within, right, in my background. <laughs> when I hear the word map, mm-hmm. I think of how Tess sees maps. Mm-hmm. So I loved the language of hurt mm-hmm. as a map because it made me think about context, which is one of my lesser talents. Mm-hmm. Harder for me to go into the past. But if I could look at looking back as a map as to how I might better hold myself, hold others, hurt can be a really powerful Mm -hmm. gift. And I think if you if you think about conceptually what a map is, it's not map quest, right? It's not telling you where to go. It's a read on what is. And. I think about that, right? Like any experience of hurt that you've had, and I'm I'm sure I've shared this before, but you know, I always some some one of my pastors at some point, you know, gave this analogy of like someone bumps you, someone hurts you, like you know, um, and we talk about like the you know your empty bucket. It's like your bucket basically, but but the pastor when I first heard them talk about this, and I can't even place it or remember it, or else I would give credit, um, but they said the only thing that splashes out of your bucket when someone hurts you is what was in it to begin with. And when I think about hurt as a map, that's what I think about, right? Like a map is a notation, a, you know, cartographical representation of a space. And so it's not, yeah, it's not directions. It's not an atlas. It's not, you know, it's, it's a depiction of what is. And so when you're hurt, how you react, right? how you go for how you've gone forward since then right what emotions are present um how it ties to what was or what is um all of those things right who was there when did it happen why did the emotions arise that it happened it's almost like a like an unpacking of the situation and i think we want to get past the hurt so much oftentimes right no matter what that hurt was we're ready to get past it and I and I love it as like a motivator like you're you using that word around fear but that automatically implies that you're moving forward you're going somewhere right but dialing it back to saying that it's a map is like auditing what's there 
before you use it to propel you forward. Because if you don't, right, if you just use it as a motivator, you, you've already moved out of what was. And if you're not using it as a map, right? Like, so I, I think they're parallel and they can work together really well. But my bias, <laughs> having high context, loving maps, loving this analogy, is that you have to sit in what is, right? right? Before you can move on to what can be and how you can use it as a source of energy for resiliency. This is why I love these conversations because you you bring your own perspective. What I was thinking about most, and of course this points to my communication strength, is how we can take these quote unquote negative words mm-hmm. and when we pair them with a different word, they we can see them differently. So yeah. hurt as a map takes the the negativity off mm-hmm. of hurt. The heaviness. Fear as mm-hmm. a motivation or fear as a momentum mm-hmm. takes the negativity or the anxiousness off yeah. fear. And so back to energy creates energy. What I was thinking about is one is backward or looking back and another one is forward facing, but both of them are required in order to get to the topography of resilience. Mm -hmm. Like that climb cannot happen without both. It can't, right? Because if you're not being pulled out of it, you can sit in and examine the hurt forever. Right. Right. But if you don't sit in and examine the hurt, being propelled onto something else, right, is just going to mean that the next time the hurt is probably going to hurt more because you haven't examined why, you know, why it settled that way. Or you'll carry your hurt and project it onto someone Mm. else. Oh, yeah. So I I think part of the reason this is good to discuss right now is we're still in that new year-ish-ness. And, you know, I'm still in the examination of of what what did I learn from last year and mm-hmm. and how do I want to apply it but also okay two 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 and I got this of course from from a spirit guide but to write down 22 things that you're grateful for mm-hmm. and 22 things that you desire or wish for and I started to look at this writing assignment you know going in to, to today um, and I was thinking so there's so much alignment Mm -hmm. there there's so much alignment in what I'm grateful for and and what I hope for Mm -hmm. and that helps me to see the importance of the hurt map and the importance of the of the fear momentum because I know at 47 because of experiences and because of those aces that they're necessary Mm -hmm. in order for for us to have growth But we resist that and we resist the uncomfortable feeling of looking at the hurt and the uncomfortable feeling of the fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that is universal. Again, it could be very relative. Yeah, it's so relative. It's it's interesting because this actually reminds me, I was going to bring up a, a conversation that we had in one of my classes last semester about suffering. And is suffering required to grow? And I think it, it really, it was at those universal ends of like, we're thinking about, you know, suffering, suffering. But I think it is really, really relative, right? And and that's what I appreciate about this is that everyone will encounter suffering, but it's up to the individual person's definition of what that entails, right? It might be like the worst suffering you might ever have is not getting into a college you want to go to, right? Or it might be, having a very, very high ACEs score and having textbook definitions 
of trauma that has happened in your life. Right. And we have to do the examination, right? And yeah. and the stretch to be able to understand and feel that. I I also think this is a great conversation starter for our listeners. Mm-hmm. For those that they are close to, for those who are maybe new to their life or um, strong connections in their circle, we have to check our assumptions on why people are showing up the way that they're showing up. Mm-hmm. Um sure why someone might shut down or disappear or why someone may um, be overly communicative or why someone may um, may be in our own perception be behaving or making decisions that we don't understand mm-hmm. and I'm I feel lucky that I have empathy in my top five because it's easy for me to think oh my gosh I can only imagine what it feels like to be A, B, or C. That just comes really natural to me. But also understanding that it's a 133 million chance that someone mm-hmm. is going to show up exactly like I do. Mm-hmm. And even then they don't. Yeah. Because it's experiences, it's values, it's it's all those pieces. Um, so I had a conversation recently with a, a friend of mine who was really questioning my forgiveness superpower as a weakness. And I felt myself um, getting defensive and I felt myself uh, reacting. Could even feel it physically in my body. Yeah. Um, I kind of do this thing with my shoulders when I'm like, listen here, I got something to say. And I had a recognition that she simply will not get it. That I choose forgiveness as a pathway to let go. Mm. And if I held on, it would keep me stuck. Yep. And that's forgiveness, right? Okay. So we've talked about this here before, right? Forgiveness versus reconciliation. Forgiveness is about getting right with yourself. And there might be times, especially in times when you've encountered trauma with another person or Mm -hmm. trust has been betrayed or they have said things that, you know, there might be situations in which forgiveness is all that can be extended. And that's getting right right with yourself, right? Getting your heart right, getting your soul right, getting your spirit right. And then there are times where reconciliation can be had right where there's restoration of the relationship in some way shape or form or it could look different mm-hmm. yeah it could look very different yeah, for sure. um so there are some great songs out now um that kind of represent some of that and some of that language some of them are really really good i just fell upon recently a song that lit me up i love it so much and the lyrics are like i'm resisting the desire to punch you in the teeth However, <laughs> like leads to because I'm trying to move forward. It was just like, it, and the song leads up, and then the and the momentum of the song is really good. It's fantastic. I've been doing a lot of. Um, you'd be so proud, uh, Tess. I am so grateful for Spotify and Release Radar and Discover mm-hmm. Weekly that feeds me new music. Yep. And. I'll be out. And remember when I didn't even know what it was? Yeah, you didn't. And you were, like, confined and restricted by CD-ROMs. I mean, (laughs) like, just think about, like, how reductive. Please say that phrase again. One more time. No. (laughs) Play it back. Um, (laughs) Yes, confined and restricted by CD-ROMs. I mean, right? It's like a definitive number of songs in a specific order that you have to intentionally deviate from. Uh Uh-huh. 
it's yeah. so it feeds me it feeds me new music and I have um very few songs that will stop me in my tracks and when I say stop me in my tracks um I remember the first time it happened I was actually traveling out here it was right ahead of my 14er that I did the first time yeah. and I was in the um hotel elevator and um someone had sent me this song it's a beautiful song called transatlantic flight um and it's so stunningly gorgeous and the lyrics Mm -hmm. are so beautiful i was getting out of the elevator and i just stopped i just stopped there is music like that there are songs like that that just stop me and there have been a couple recently that help me as per usual feel and articulate what I'm thinking I'm saying, mm-hmm. but I'm not really saying, but this beautiful musician does a better job than I do. And since that's been happening lately, I started just listening more. As always, I listen to the lyrics, but I'm like, holy shit, everybody has a hurt map. Musicians, like that's when they get their best, mm-hmm. th- their best songs come from heartbreak and hurt and grief mm-hmm. and angst and anxiety that's you know when we talk about being below the line Mm -hmm. being in those places of fear and anxiety and and sadness that's where some of these beautiful gifts come yep and so I've been recognizing it is universal but so Mm -hmm. relative yeah and And so it's given mm -hmm. me like even the empathy to look around you know going up and down the steps and running into somebody I don't know yeah and just feeling yeah, like, I hope you feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't say it out loud. Thank God yet. Can you imagine? <laughs> I was just walking around on my hikes. Like, hope you feel seen and heard. Like, I Heart hope you feel known you. today. <laughs> I hope you feel valued. Please do that. That's a social be experiment. Great. Sociological. <laughs> yes. I would love that. Um, but mm-hmm. it just has really, and, and we're in mm-hmm. February now, which is the month of love and the month of the holiday. I hate the most. Um, to really start thinking mm-hmm. about that, yeah. that hurt is a map and, and, um, how those maps look so very different. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, it's so helpful to see like the relativity of it continuing on that, this concept. And it's something I've had to learn a lot because, um, of even, you know, talking with you and, and being friends with you and then um, my good friend Alex too and a few other people in my life that have gone through some like significant trauma, like have experienced major things in life and, and coming, being in relationship with people like that, having no textbook definition of that in my life, having to extend grace to myself. Like there were, there were many, many times where I would be feeling hurt or rejection or you know my common emotion anger right like all of these things that I would just be processing emotionally and my mind would always be like but Tess remember how 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 grateful you should be right how blessed you are how you haven't had to walk through anything significant and so I would minimize my emotions and and say that they aren't valid not in and of themselves, but in relative perspective to those people who have walked through things. And I feel like that's the the duality of it, that we can we can both say trauma is relative individually in your own life because every, you're going to respond differently um, regards to different situations based on what you've walked through. But it's also, it's relative to one another, but needs to be honored in its 
individuality and its singularity um, because precisely because of that right like I think relativity by definition connotes the idea of comparison right like comparing one experience to another and and um, that's what I want to make sure that we like define very separately because I have not processed things in my life at certain points in time precisely because I didn't feel like it made sense for me to feel that way because I haven't walked through certain things because I haven't experienced certain rejections because I haven't walked through this type of trauma that I know someone else has walked through so why do I feel this way or why am I scared of this or why do I not feel brave enough to do something like this because I don't have those hurts in my life and comparison is is I think the thief of joy is the Mm -hmm. quote but also we're all doing it yeah we're all doing it all the time in different ways, whether we're talking about what car we drive, talking about, you know, what job we have, talking about our friend circle, what we did on Friday night. Um, mm-hmm. Social media has elevated that in a completely new mm-hmm. and different way. It's also, um, I think, comparison right now generationally is like nothing we've ever known. And I'm witnessing this through you, and I witnessed this through my son and my daughter and my and my bonus kids, that the expectation that we have on young people to know and map out their future mm-hmm. is devastatingly uh, negative, in my opinion. It, it sets people up for disappointment and comparison because we have this my generation Tess I was taught you're going to go to Lincoln School of Commerce and you're going to have two children and you should probably grow up on the farm that you you know you stay within this you stay within Mm -hmm. the circle of where you've been oh yeah and what I've been learning recently is again comparison in my tightest of circles I have always seen myself as the rebel the gypsy the one that's doing things different like I'm Mm -hmm. badass and recently I, recently I had someone, you know, we talked about this before, someone called me a rule follower and I'm like, how dare you? That's not true. And then I asked my friends and I'm like, yeah, yeah. you are. <laughs> Best <laughs> phrase recently was, um, it's so adorable that you think you're such a gypsy when you're actually such a Girl Scout. And I was like, that's not true. That's not true. But then I started like really mm-hmm. digging into it. Again, it shows yeah. up. It shows up for a reason. So I'm like mm-hmm. looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, I think I project this. But what I'm actually projecting is, I like my structure. I like my routine. However, in my circle of influence, at the at the core of it, so when for everybody that's different. When did that mm-hmm. start for you? When did that start for me? When does that start for my son, my daughter? When do you start seeing, like, this is what it should look like? And that was very deeply ingrained in me. It should look like this. And I rebelled right away Mm. by not following rules, which made me feel like, oh, okay, therefore, everybody thinks I'm a rebel. Mm -hmm. No, everyone saw the circumstance. Mm. I just chose to see it as like, Look Your, at me. Like it's intrinsic rather than external factors. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, that's so good. That's I was thinking about this with, mm-hmm. with Sean and Shanna who are making big decisions about their life. And so I've encouraged them to, this is very TikTok-y, but to put together a PowerPoint about their decision making 
and present it to each of all of us as a family. And then we get to fire back with questions or we get to fire back with our own proposals on, Mm -hmm. you know, why we'd like for them to be A, B, or C. To Colorado. (laughs) Right. So then I, I came back to them and I said, do you know what my slide would say? It would say, I love you and I support you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And wherever you are, I will come to you. Yep. I also went back to them and said, hey, put this proposal together and run your numbers, but Mm -hmm. give it to people who are unbiased. Yeah. Because we're all biased to love you. Mm -hmm. You know, we want, we want you close close to us. Mm -hmm. But I got to thinking about how many, and I'm going to put you in this category of young people are, are trying to figure out that PowerPoint. And we Mm -hmm. put so much pressure for you to have it finished and finalized. Mm -hmm. And that's so unfair. I still don't know who I am and I'm in my mid forties. I still don't know who I am. I still can't answer What's next? What's going to happen? What do you want? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown doesn't know. So why do we put this expectation on 18-year-olds to know yeah. or 25-year-olds to know? Like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is it setting them up for any kind of success? Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Do you, did you feel that pressure? Internally, yes. I don't... I don't feel like I ever felt it externally from my circle, hmm. from my people. I It was always in my head. I mean, I never put together a PowerPoint. I never crunched the numbers, like, on a spreadsheet. But I was going through all of the options in my head, like, everything. And that's that strategic. I just – every possible pathway with every possible outcome was always – being weighted and those weights changed a lot based on new information that I acquired about universities and you know statistics and of acceptance rates and funding packages and things like that with every yes no maybe you know those were adjusted and so and it's constantly like that now too because I have a billion possible outcomes like even for just this summer about to spend my time and you know in the coming years and where to go with my research and and what to do after I finish my degree so it's always there um but I think I and I don't know what it is about you know my strengths I think it's derived in a, a lot from my Enneagram type which is like I don't really I appreciate other people's opinions but I know what I'm going to do not and it's very very rarely ever based on anyone else's input it's always based on my own research always based on my own gut yeah I hope you know how much you have energy creates energy how you have inspired me to be better about that now my most natural Mm -hmm. self is of course I value other people's opinions I've got this high input high woo tell me what you think but I am getting much better at saying and you know what that's great. I value your opinion, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is my life yeah. and I have to figure it out. I think the hurt map mm-hmm. has helped me yeah. to be more intrinsically motivated. Yeah. But it, but without the hurt map, I think I still would have fell into that people yeah. pleasing, which mm-hmm. I still fall into. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the existential conversation about choice. Yeah. You know, that where you are right now, Tess, was influenced by a lot of other choices and, and not necessarily happenstance, but there's some there's some things involved in there. Mm-hmm. But like you're creating energy now that affects 
other humans. I, mm-hmm. I was on a call with a, um, a potential corporate partner, um, learning a little bit more about teammates. And I, as I always do, throw around ripple effect. And I said, you know, my friend Shane, and she stopped me and she said, are you talking about Shane Lopez? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mm-hmm. put my hand over my heart yeah. and I said, yes. And she said, oh my gosh, I'm a big fan of his work and I've read his book. And mm-hmm. I... I told her there there probably wasn't a stronger a shorter stronger like in a in a yeah. burst of energy mm-hmm. he so changed the trajectory of me trajectory of my life yeah and taught that to me right like your energy mm-hmm. could send someone in a different direction and his influence and his choices and his the way he saw me greatly influenced my life and where I would go next and how I would speak to the concept of strengths and hope and engagement. Mm -hmm. And we all have those influences, right? But Mm -hmm. do we see and recognize and know our own? And how are we gifting that? Definitely not. Right. I mean, that's why we talk all the time when we, you know, when you train mentors, you know, you talk all the time about letting you know, do your mentors, have you ever told the mentor that you wrote down on your name card in your life, have you ever told them about the impact that they had on you? And most people haven't, right? And and most of those people that are written down have no idea of the effect that they've had on people. And, um, you know, every chance I get, I thank my mentors. And I think I'm always... Um, I'm always blown away by the fact that they don't realize their impact, right? So how can we? We can't. We can't ever know the full extent of the impact we have on each other's lives. But the gift that we can give to maybe get a better understanding of that is by thanking the people who've impacted us. And Mm -hmm. that's the whole concept of the ripple effect then. And they thank the mentors in their lives and so on and so forth. And I think that's a key Mm -hmm. part to the resilience recipe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that you have people in your life who... Mm-hmm. whether it's a mentor or part of that support system. And I know mm-hmm. you and I talked a little bit in the green room yesterday about support systems yeah, and what those look like and how sometimes we are the supporter and sometimes we are the supportee, mm-hmm. but like that's, that's part of the recipe for resilience, yeah. holding mm-hmm. up and thinking I can do this all by myself. Yep. That's why the idea, oh my gosh, so the tech world, right, has been in the news with the Elizabeth Holmes trial and entrepreneurship and Silicon Valley and, um, and, but that's why the idea of being a self-starter is a fallacy. And I think that's a, something that in the American individualist American dream context, right? Like we believe that we have to do it on our own in order to be successful, but the reality is we can't, nor should we, because the the potential for our success is completely dependent on the support system and the community around us of mm-hmm. of friends and family and and coworkers, colleagues, mentors, um, the gambit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I can remember this quote from Aaron Davis um, that he said many many years ago when I heard him, mm-hmm. probably two thousand five ish. He, he gave me the phrase that he was help made. He said, I'm not self made, yeah. Allison. Mm, I'm help made. Mm-hmm. And I remember that really um, sticking with me, not just as a concept of tremendous gratitude, but hoping that I could do that for someone else. Yeah. And I don't think we ever really know what that reaching out kindness extension of. I care about you. Are you alive? 
are you okay? Mm-hmm. Are you well? You're in my head. I, I just, I want you to know. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have any idea of how often that is needed. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people in my life who have an assumption that at all times things are going really well for me. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a clue that when they reach out and say, just checking on you, yeah. that it might be exactly the right time that I need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay, so we want people to reflect on the concept of hurt being a map and fear maybe as a motivator. I think overall with your your concept of communication kind of reframing, I would love to hear how other ways that resiliency has allowed the reframing of negative experiences or negative emotions um, into into positive things. So I'd love to hear what other um, analogies, metaphors, imagery, or simply reframing of uh, negative experiences or emotions um, that you maybe cling to. Um, you know, it makes me think about um, like harken back way archetypal um our idea of there are no failures only learning opportunities um and that's a reframing right of negative experiences um i love it um anything else oh, i think this was a I good re- big, yeah. reintroduction um, into the new year again i love it i do want to give a listener shout out before we conclude today um to our lovely friend jc joyce who was um i think so far from my email records, the only person we heard back from on the concept of feedback um, and was some a person that motivated this a little bit because I think at least I had first heard about 360 from JC. Um, and um, I hope she's, I'm sure she's okay with me reading a little bit of what she wrote to us. Um, <laughs> um, we can take it down if you don't want us to, JC. <laughs> Let us know after it's been published. Sorry, um, we love you. Um, so at one point in time, she sent us this great, this great, you know, email and feedback. And she um, gets 360 on a regular basis um, from um, over 200 people that give her feedback. And so she she wrote to us and said, I can't say that I love the process as 200 people get to tell me what they think of me anonymously, but I absolutely see the value. I've made changes to how I lead as a result of the feedback and given all of this feedback and how I feel during the process, I think a personal slash non-business 360 would be just as scary and just as valuable um, since she kind of has experienced 360 with in the space of the workplace and um, I just remember when she first talked about that with us and you know she was on a podcast episode uh, quite some time ago um, uh, during it was over the course of the pandemic right because we were at home I remember that but yeah, um, yeah I remember her just talking about um, how you know some of the best way to ways to honor other people is by reading that feedback and then adjusting how she manages and how she leads and how she interacts with the people in her life because we come to whatever position we're in from a place of our own strengths and life experiences and values and so naturally we lead in the way we would want to be lead led you know rather than in the way that our people need to be led so so I think I about um, how during some experiences that I've had with a group, um, it's not as technical as 360, but it's here's where you mm-hmm. shine yeah, and here's where you struggle. I love and that. I would love, and I, I may ask this of my, my circles, to tell me, yeah. Especially right now, I, I feel like I'm in this place of still, I'm being asked hard questions that I don't know how to answer. And and the way that I love feedback is for someone to yeah. help me better understand myself, 
so that I can show up in the world a better version. So I think, you know, another challenge to our listeners would be how can you have a conversation about where someone shines and maybe where they struggle Mm -hmm. and start easy by asking like a a six-year-old, yeah, like, tell me. Where do I shine? And where do, they are so good at this. They're so um, honest. Yep. Kids so, are so honest. <laughs> so honest. I'm really lucky to um, have that. I get to be a bonus aunt to a number of, of littles here in, in the Denver community. And I love how honest they are with mm-hmm. me. I love it. But it was awesome. I know we weren't really focusing on feedback this episode, but I definitely wanted to give a shout out to JC who... Um, without fail whenever she responds responds so well in such detail and with such thought and and i'm very appreciative of that she's a ripple she is a ripple effect Mm -hmm. um human in my life and i cannot Mm -hmm. even imagine how many Mm -hmm. oh absolutely oh i love it well thank you everyone for tuning in to episode 93 of jen and millie if If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share the responses to the questions and action items that we posed, you can give us a follow on Instagram, at Jen and Millie, that's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.